God, we thank you this morning that we can be, be together and meet in your house. God, I pray um, earnestly and fervently this morning that you would come down and, and teach us, God. Please touch hearts this morning, um, God. With, we're going to open your word and we're going we're to speak your word, God. Please, please use it. Lord, you said that your word will not return void, and I do ask that there would be, there would be ears to, uh, people with ears to hear this morning, God, and, and, and hearts to be changed, Father. Please, we look to you this morning, and, and we're looking forward to what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, the kids can be dismissed to Sunday school. And then for those that are going to stay in here, you guys can open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. And we're going to be in chapter 10 this morning. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. I'm going to read a couple of verses first. We're going to start off in verse 25, and uh, then I think we'll get back and, and work through this. So the, the main purpose of, of, of this morning is I'm going, to, I'm going to talk through the parable of the Good Samaritan. And when I thought, first of all, to do this, it, it sounded like an easy, an easy thing to talk about. But the more I studied this, and the more I read up on it, the more I heard sermons about it, the more I understood that this is such a deep parable. There are so many moving parts in this parable. There are so many perspectives you can view this from, um, which still keeps you in biblical context. But it's, it's so, so, so much more deeper than just doing good to those um, that, that, well, doing good to the poor or whatever. And, and I pray this morning, God forbid we walk out of this and take this parable just as it stands there. That, that we, it's a well-known parable. You, you ask any atheist, I mean, they use the term the Good Samaritan. He was a Good Samaritan. They know what this is about. They know how the story goes. But I pray this morning that God would, would, would really teach us something more from this book as he has with me this week. So let's start off in reading Luke 10 and 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as right. This do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence. Um, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatever thou spendest more, when I come again I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showeth mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. Go, and do thou likewise. 
Before we jump into this, we need to look at the dispensational context of where this parable is found. We read, I'm not going to take long in explaining this, but in the, in the first lesson of basic discipleship, we read rightly dividing the word of truth. In rightly dividing the word of truth, we need to look at three things. Who is talking, um, to whom is he talking, and when does this apply? Within Bible school, uh, with discipleship, we also know that looking at those three questions, who is talking, to whom is he talking, and when does this apply? Well, it's Jesus talking. He's talking to a certain uh, lawyer. And guys, this applies technically in the Old Testament. Now, if we need to have a Bible study on that, please feel free to let me know. But, but there's verses in Hebrews and so on that talks that the, the, the testament that is in place is not uh, in effect until the testator dies. Um, so, I mean, I, I have no hands on my father's testament until he passes away. So it's the same with us. So whatever Jesus has said did not come into play, uh, did only come into play after he died. So you need to understand that this is not applicable on us today where we are. What these people did is they looked forward to the cross. If I can put it in a context, they do and then they earn. All right? They did certain things. They did, verse 27, to earn eternal life. Where we stand now, we look back to the cross and we do because we have earned. All right? You guys understand what I'm saying here? Is we already have eternal life. We don't need to, to do Verse 27, love the Lord thy God and with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength and love thy neighbor as thyself to get eternal life. We love our neighbor. We love God with all, all our might because we have eternal life. In Romans, uh, in Romans 15 and verse 4, it says that the Old Testament is written for our learning. And in that context, I want to look at this parable here this morning. And Lord, what can we learn from this? How can we go about and say, wow, it was quite a good question this guy asked, but how can we go through this and what can we learn from this? And with that in mind, let's look at verse 25 again. We're going to take this step by step. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him. Now you need to understand that a lawyer in this sense is not a, a, a lawyer in civil law. It's not a lawyer that, that, that sits in, in, in court and judges you because... Um, of, of certain civil uh, uh, um, sins that you might have committed. This is a lawyer of, of the biblical law, the first five books of the Bible. So this guy knew the Bible. He knew the, 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 the Ten Commandments. He knew what God, uh, where the Jews fit into the picture and, and so on. And that's the context where he's asking this, this question from. And he's saying um, a, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, before we get to the great question he's asking, look at how, how fake this guy is. He stood up. In those times, still in this day, if you respect the person that, that is talking, if you ask them a question, you stand up and you ask the question. You'll see that in many debates. So first of all, he stood up, showing a sign of respect. Then he told them, he tempted him, saying, Master, Calling somebody masters means that you are, in subject, you are subject unto them. You respect their authority. You respect what they are saying and, 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 and you, in some point, agree with them. And he asked, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, it doesn't matter if you're faking it or if you're not faking it. It's a good question to ask. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Have you asked yourself that question lately? For those that know the answer, 
Possibly have you asked yourself this question, what shall I do so that others can have eternal life? You see, uh, when, when you fly on a plane and, and the flight attendants is up there and they tell you what, what, what happens in an emergency, they say the oxygen masks will fail. Firstly, put on your own mask and then help the people around you. Why? Well, if I don't put on my own mask, I can only help two or three people and I'm going to die. And if everybody has that perspective, well, I'm gonna, just going to help the next guy, everybody's going to die. So here the Bible says it's perfectly right to ask yourself that question first. But then, if you have the answer, if you, if you can answer that question with a solid yes, then we look towards others. What can I do so that others can have eternal life? Verse 26, And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? You kind of can see Jesus, a little bit of sarcasm in there at the end. And you're a, law, you're, you're a, a lawyer, right? Well, how, how do you read this? What are you saying? You should be able to answer this. You should be able to answer this. If you've sat in church sometimes, if you went through discipleship, if you went through Bible school, at some point in your life, you should be able to answer this question. Either for yourself, and you need to be able to explain this to somebody else. But Jesus, in verse... Uh, Sorry, he said there, he said, what is written in the law, how readest thou? And the lawyer answered in verse 27, Thou shalt love the, God, the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Now this is a, a, two verses thrown together. One is found in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4 and 5, and that speaks about that Israel has only one God. And then the other verse is in Leviticus 19 verse 18 that says you have to love the your neighbor just as yourself. Now that's quite a, a high standard. I agree. I will be very shocked if this was the standard for gaining eternal life in the day and age we live in now. You have to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, nothing above the Lord, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, not a little bit of each, everything. You completely lay down your life for Jesus. And then on top of that, you have to love your neighbor just as you love yourself. Now, this is a summary. These two that I just mentioned summarizes the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments summarizes the 613 laws that the Jews had to keep in those days. So this boiled down to, if you love God, and if you believe what He said, do this. Look at Jesus' response in verse 28. And He said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do and thou shalt live. That's it. That's the answer. Jesus, is it that simple? Is it really that simple? Just love the Lord with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, my labor as myself, and then I'll enter into heaven. Is that it? Jesus said, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. 29. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, Lord, um, and who is my neighbor? You see, it's a hard saying. How many of us here can with an honest heart say, you know, I will, I will step into heaven 
based on that criteria. Not, 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 not because I do because I have. I have to do to earn. How many of us would sit here today? How many of us with an honest heart can say, I am loving the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and I'm definitely loving my neighbor as myself? And the, uh, the lawyer looked at this and he says, this, this can't be true. This can't be true. I, I need to justify myself. I need to free myself of this requirement that Jesus just set out. He willing to justify himself. How many times have you justified your actions this week that stepped out of the requirements that God had for you? Whatever that might be, I'm talking about the general will of God for your life. The general will of, of being able to share the gospel, being able to read the Bible, being able to, prayer, to pray. And not just knowing that, because the lawyer knew this, but acting out on it. I said in the beginning, we do because we have earned. How many of us are giving back to God because he gave to us already freely we had to do nothing he said lay down your life as a living sacrifice that's it that is it no works you get eternal life how hard is it for them to look at this and says wow eternal life must be a valuable thing to have if i have to do all of that what's the value that we add to eternal life. We don't really talk about it that much, do we? Jesus was ready here to give an answer to every man that asketh him of the hope that is within him. He said, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? I want to ask you, are you ready this morning if somebody asks you, "How do, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Are you ready to explain that to them? Are you ready to be a neighbor? Are you ready to lay down your own, uh, 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 your own life to say, what can I do now to help this person to gain eternal life? You see, you have to get them lost before you can get them saved. That's what Jesus did here. He said the hard saying. There was nothing. He didn't try and butter up. He didn't try and bring it out smooth. He said, that's the requirement. This is what you need to, this is the, how you need to conform to come up to this requirement. And that's what we need to do when we go out to the streets. That is what we need to do. We need to be the good Samaritan to say, it's not about me. And we'll look at that now, but we need to be ready to say, this is the hard saying, this is the requirements for heaven. And a lot of churches nowadays try to say, you know what, getting, getting people to the point of salvation is hard. So let's make the road to salvation easier. Let's, let's make it come more comfortable for them. Let's, let's make it easier for them. Repeat after me this prayer. And you know what, if you just, you just do the minimum, that's what this lawyer is getting to. What's the minimum I have to do to gain eternal life? Lord, all right, I hear what you're saying, but who's my neighbor we need to get down to this who is my neighbor it's kind of funny is jesus didn't really answer the question he said all right mr lawyer let me tell you a little story he kind of uh, 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 broken this down into a, a chewable form and he said 
And Jesus answering said in verse 30, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Jesus is trying to put this lawyer, trying to, to draw a picture for him of, of him being in trouble. You need to understand that, that the, 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 a certain man that fell among the thieves is a picture of the, the, the lawyer. That's what Jesus is trying to, to bring through. And we get to the story here this morning. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, geographically, Jerusalem is about 750 meters above sea level. And I learned this this week. I didn't know a town can be below sea level and not be flooded. But the town of Jericho is actually the lowest. It's the, permanently, the lowest permanently inhabited town on earth. So it's about 300 meters below sea level. So it's kind of like a bucket, situated like a bucket. I didn't know that. So there's about 1,000 meters, one kilometers, um, that you need to travel in, in height between them. And it's a, about a 28-kilometer travel. Okay, so I'm not very good at math, but this puts me to, I think, a 2.8 to 1 ratio. So for about every three meters you walk, there's a one-meter drop because it's pretty steep. And this is a great, great, great picture of, well, if I say Jericho, isn't there a very low permanent inhabited place in the world as well that we need to look at. There's per people permanently indwelling hell. And that's the lowest part you can be. You say Jerusalem and Jericho. Jerusalem and Jericho. This was a very, very rough terrain. It was hot and it was hard. And we'll look just now at the Samaritan. That didn't scare him. That didn't scare him to stop and take care. Now, if we look at verse 30 again, this man fell among thieves, and they stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Is, is that not the effect of sin? Is that not the effect of sin? Sin is a coward. You see, there were thieves. There was a certain man, singular, and there were thieves, Plural. He didn't stand a chance, this guy. Fell among thieves. They stripped him of his raiment. The very clothes on his body he had. They wounded him. They departed, leaving him half dead. That's what sin does. And if there's one thing I can bring through to you this morning, saved or not, sin will still do that to you. You will never, as a saved believer, go to Jericho, to the lowest inhabited part. Never. You cannot go to hell if you're saved. But that does not mean sin will have this effect on you. So if you're saved or not this morning, be aware. Sin will find you out at a place where you are at your lowest. And it, will, it does not have a heart. It will lure you out it will beat you. It will strip you of that which you have. It will leave you right there in the road, half dead. Do we see the need outside? How many half dead people are walking around in Potchefstroom today? How many half dead people are walking around in your neighborhood 
today? How many? How many? Verse 31. Let's see how these guys reacted. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. Priest. Religious man. High up in church. Knows the law. Came a priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. This priest saw, and he passed by on the other side. It's sad. It's very sad. This guy is bloodied and bruised. Imagine making eye contact with that guy on the floor. It's hot. He's probably lying on stones. He's, he's bloodied all over. Seeing that, knowing that, all right, I'm the only one on this road currently. I'm the only one that can help that guy. I'm the only one that, that can basically give him life. What do I do? I numb my senses. I go to the other side. I pass by. It's kind of an out-of-sight, out-of-mind situation. Guys, that's not how it works. There is a need. There are certain men and women out there that's half dead, beaten by sin. And unfortunately, there are religious people just seeing it, passing by on the other side. Now, I have a meeting to go to. I have this to do. I have that to do. Passing by on the other side. Well, it certainly can get worse than this, can it? Verse 32. And likewise, a Levite, another religious man, when he was at the place, this is, this is worse than the priest, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. This guy didn't just see him and said, ah, man, I'm not going to help there, passed by on the other side. He, he actually walked there. He looked, oh, 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 that's bad. Oh, yeah, sorry, man, good luck. Walked by on the other side. He also kind of, you can see him looking, walking on the side of the road and then passing by. How hard should your heart be to, first of all, pass by, but secondly, looking, looking at that man, possibly making eye contact, seeing the need. Again, you are the one that can help. And passing by on the other side. How many religious people, churchgoers, in today's day and age, see the spiritual need and pass by on the other side. Right in the beginning, I said that the Jews knew, uh, the sp specific lawyer knew the law. He knew what God expected from him. He knew it. There's two responses. Either you know it, or either you really don't understand it, and I think there's grace for that, or you really don't care what God said. You know it, but Lord, I'm not going to act on this. And we try to justify ourselves out of the responsibility of being, being the example that God wants us to be. This Levite passed on the other side. I can't get past this, that, that it's religious people that did the most harm. It's two religious men. If it wasn't for verse 33, but. 
I hope this morning there's been a but in your life. I hope that, that, well, I hope you came out of this well, but certainly there's been a verse 30 in your life. Certainly you've experienced maybe a verse 31 or a verse 32 or maybe even both. But I hope that there's been a 33 in your life. But Jesus came along. And He, not passing by on the other side, not just looking, but acting. But acting. Verse 33, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, this man was. And when he saw him, the story is exactly the same as the previous two verses. They came by and all three of them saw him. This is the, the swivel pin of the whole story. He had compassion on him. He had compassion on him. I started off by saying there's so many perspectives you can view this story from. And specifically in this verse and the other verses, I want to point us from the perspective of evangelizing. And I want to say witnessing. Because it sounds like if we say witnessing, a lot of people's ears close up. Let's say evangelizing. Sharing the gospel. Sharing the good news. Being a neighbor. Being a good Samaritan. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, this guy doesn't say that he's spiritual. Spiritual in the sense that as a higher up as the Levite or the priest, he's just a Samaritan. And as he journeyed where he was, he saw him and he had compassion on him. Now pause there for a moment. Samaritan and a Jew. I don't know how many of you know the history, but it's not good. There were, I, 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 re, I, uh, I, I learned this, this word this week, animosity. How many of you know what that word is? Oh, goodness me, you're probably English. I wasn't. I read the verse a couple of times. I had no clue what it is. I googled it, and I'm going to use it. There was a lot of animosity between them. There was animosity. Guys, it wasn't good. They fought for years on end. The hatred, the extreme hatred, between these two is it's kind of like you would expect in the story of the Samaritan a Jew would definitely walk past a Samaritan that's that bloodied and bruised because in his heart he'd say you deserve it I have no love or compassion in my heart for you Jesus turned this around the good Samaritan and the Jew the good Samaritan also he could have passed by and history would have, I don't want to say justify his actions, but you would have understand why he walked past. Doesn't make it right, but you would have understand why. But the Samaritan stopped, he saw him, and he had compassion. Doesn't the book of 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that love covers, I'm uh, not sorry, it's not 1 Corinthians 13, but love covers a multitude of sins. There was hatred between them. But the compassion was more. The compassion was more intense. And this, this Samaritan was ready. Now you need to understand, this Samaritan didn't wake up and walk past this guy and said, Oh great, here I am. Now I'm going to do good today. This was a lifestyle for this man. This was probably not the first time that he stopped and helped somebody. But he was ready because of the compassion. 
the compassion. Compassion is a little bit deeper than just love. You talk about the you talk about pity you have towards somebody, a broken heart of I really want to I really want to help this person to a point where I really don't care how this affects me. You need to understand that there were thieves not long before this guy passed by, there were thieves there. The Samaritan stopped and said, well, the thieves can be close. Oh, he actually didn't think about it because he stopped, saw him, had compassion on them, and straight into verse 34, this is the definition of compassion. And he went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast, brought him to an inn, took care of him. Would we have understood if the Samaritan walked past and he said, oh, shame, man, here's, here's my clothes, and walked past. Oh, shame, sh- man, here's, here's, here's a little bit of money. Good, good, good luck. Sorry, man, here's water. You're thirsty. Good luck. That's where we usually stop. But I did good. I, I helped the guy. Yes, but you didn't put yourself second. There was, there's no point in the story where I read where the Samaritan at any point thought, oh goodness me, there's robbers here, I have to help him, let's weigh up the options. Like that, he said, I'm going to help because of the compassion. And if we in our hearts can, I don't want to say teach ourselves this, because this is, not a, this is not a mind thing. You don't start compassion here. You start it in here. You start it in here. You realize what God has done for you. And realizing what He has done for you and what you've paid for it. Saying, Lord, I owe you everything. And I'm going to do that by showing that love to everybody else. What better way of evangelizing is there than giving mercy to people that don't deserve it? Loving people that doesn't love you back. What better way is there than that? There's a verse in the Bible that says it makes you no different than to love the people that love you. You're just like the scribes and the Pharisees. But loving the unlovable. These people look at that and say, but, but why would somebody do that? That's different. And if we look at that and we ask the why, hey, Mr. Good Samaritan, why do you love this Jew this much? We can stop and we can share the story. We get back to the initial question. What can I do so that somebody else may have eternal life? You can be a good Samaritan. You can be an evangelist. You can share the good news in such a way that the, that the people look at that and say, but there's, why would you do that? Why would you have so much mercy on me? Why would you take so much time in caring for me, in caring about what I think, about what I say, about where I'm going? Why are you concerned and you say that you're praying for me? Why are you concerned about this relationship? Why? And you have this wide of an open door to say, it's not because of me, but it's because I have been neighbored to. Jesus Christ was a neighbor to me when I was in verse 30. Jesus were there. He was there in verse 31 and verse 32, and He showed up in verse 33. And He said, this is the difference. 
Now understand it clearly. I'm not just talking about not sharing the gospel and doing it through your actions. You should at some point be blunt enough to just share the gospel. But this is an outstanding way of getting people not just to hear what you have to say, but see that what you say, you actually believe it. And I think that's where the problem comes in. People read the Word. They read, you have to, this and this and this and this. And then we head back there to verse 29. But he willing to justify himself. But God, it's, it's really my responsibility. I'm scared. I don't know what to say. Plug in any ex excuse you want to. Justify himself. The lawyer didn't, he didn't want the truth. Because what he, he, uh, he wasn't uh, planning on acting on the truth. I beg you this morning, put yourself in the spotlight and ask yourself the question, am I acting on what God has given me? Am I acting on the scripture? Is there things in my life I have to change? Is there, and I'm not, I'm not talking about the whole uh, longevity of your life that God will continue the good work in you and, and those small things will be sorted out. Not, I think this is what God said, but acting on what you know he said. Can I ask you that, you that you look inward into your heart and say, would I have had compassion on this man? No, I would not have had compassion on this man. Lord, please change my heart. Help me to have this much compassion. Give me eyes to see the spiritual need. Lord, what can I do so that somebody else can have eternal life? Lord, please give me that opportunity. He bound up his wounds, guys. Look in verse 35. The good works continue. And on the morrow when he departed, the morrow, the, the next day, he stayed with him the whole evening. He took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, I, uh, when I come again, I will repay thee. No requirements, no boundaries. Whatever you spend, not, hey, listen, there's 300 bucks, don't spend more, this guy can die, I'm done then. My help, I'm, I'm done helping out now. I'm looking at this, and I'm in awe. How can somebody go to this extent to help somebody else? And on the morrow, when he had departed, this guy probably had a sleepless night because he had to stand up and, and again take care of this guy's wounds, give him some water. This guy was probably uncomfortable. He took out some of his own money. It cost him something. Not just, not just in the monetary sense. It cost this guy a lot. Two pence is about two days' wages. I mean, in South Africa, I think it would be around about 400, 400 rand this guy took out. He gave it to the host and he said unto him, Take care of him. Take care of him. The inn is a great picture of the church and the responsibility the church has towards this. We, as churchgoers, as certain men, as good Samaritans, are responsible to bring in those half-deads. Explain to them, show to them love. Bring them in here and say, Mr. In, let's take care of them. 
Let's take care of them. You see, this, this good Samaritan, he gave and he was willing to carry the burden. Now, carrying a burden in the day and age, we, we, we think of it now as somebody tells you, you know what, man, I'm going through a rough spot. And you say, oh, shame. I'll be praying for you. That's the extent of carrying the burden. You're carrying nothing because it's really not costing you anything. You are just telling this guy, I'm now there's nothing wrong with it. Please don't, don't, uh, don't understand me wrong. There's nothing wrong with it. But this guy put James chapter 2 and verse 14 into action. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. The works didn't save him. But he, he did, we do, because we have. We have eternal life. We can do this. And we should do this. This is the example that we should be to the lost sheep out there. We should be ready by a drop of a hat to have compassion on the Jew. Sure. If we look at, at verse 35 at, the, at the, the, the church, he gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, I, when I come again, I will repay thee. Can I possibly point this out to this guy? was a cheerful giver. He supported the cause of helping the half dead. He gave two pence to the host. He gave not just himself, his money as well. Again, that does not just happen. You don't just, you don't just give money and then say, you know what, whatever it takes, take care of this guy. It's out of your control now to say, you spend my money. There's a saying going around, <laughs> it's very easy, it's very easy to spend somebody else's money. Very easy. If somebody gives my card and says, go and buy groceries, you know, if I go and buy groceries, I have a list. But this, 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 in the card, goodbye. But if somebody else gives me the card, yeah, I don't need, this is not on the list, but it looks nice. I'm going to put that in. I'm going to put that in. This guy said, you know what, whatever, whatever it takes, please help this guy. I will repay. He took responsibility. He not just had a physical burden. I mean, he, in verse 34, he put him on his own beast, which means that hard path, he had to walk now next to this guy. He had to take care of him. It took, him, it took sleep from him. It took money from him. It took time from him. But he said, this, this, this is worth it. This is worship, w worth it. And lastly, I want to end off with this. Jesus asks, all right, I've put this into plain words now, Mr. Lawyer. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Verse 37, and he said, He that showeth mercy on him. He didn't say the Samaritan. He didn't say the Samaritan because there's animosity between them. They hated each other. He could not even get it over his lips to say the Samaritan is the good guy in the story. But he knew Jesus was right. You see, Jesus changed the question. The initial question was, who is my neighbor? 
The lawyer asked, who is my neighbor? And Jesus flipped this around and said, who was neighbor unto him? It makes it a lot easier if you have been neighbored to, to be a neighbor to somebody else. If you have experienced, if you, if you are the, the certain man that fell among the thieves, and you have experienced, verse 33, 34, 35, it's much easier for you to be than verse 33, 34, 35. And this Jew had to understand, oh wow, 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 I'm in dire need. My question this morning, if you have been neighbored to, and you have been, on the cross of Calvary, you have been neighbored to. Jesus gave everything he had on the cross for somebody that doesn't deserve it doesn't deserve mercy we deserve to be on the side of the road beaten bloody bruised half dead we guys we deserve it i know we hear it a lot that is what we deserve but god in his mercy acted and he, just did it. he didn't just say, all right, I'm going to do this, and then you can enter eternal life. He went the whole way. He was, he was beaten, bloodied, bruised for us. He walked with that cross for us. He laid down his life for us. He went through hell for us. At not, never in that story Jesus said alright I've had enough I've showed enough compassion now I'm going to go to heaven compassion has no boundaries and if you say I'm only going to help you this far that's not compassion I am putting myself second this Samaritan had responsibilities he was probably a businessman of some sort or he was probably a he, he had a job but still, he said, compassion comes first. I want to help this guy. And we're going to end up with verse 30. And he said, he, show, he that shows mercy on him, and Jesus said, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. And can I really this morning encourage you to search your heart and go and do likewise. Be that Samaritan. Get yourself to a point where you say, you know what, the compassion has no boundaries. It's not enough just to see the need. It's, really not, it's not enough just to see the need. You know what we do? when we drive and there's an accident at the side of the road? Does that help the accident at all? It really makes it a little bit more dangerous. But that, just seeing what's happening there is not helping anybody. It's not even helping you. Because you think, Aish, shame. That's it. That, that's where it stops. It's not enough just to see what you do is dependent on what you see. It needs to be in balance. I see a need, 
So I'm going to fill a need. It's not just enough to see. And lastly, what you see is determined by what you are. If you don't see the need, I would strongly encourage you to, to check out your heart by the great physician. Because there, there, there's, there's problems. If you are born again, saved, you should be seeing the need out there. And I pray this, this, today that, that you will grow to the point where, where compassion has no boundaries. Let's all pray. Lord, I thank you uh, for this day and I pray that, that you would reach down and touch a couple of hearts here today. Lord, please um, help us to, to get to this point where the Good Samaritan is, Lord. And I pray, I really pray, and I ask that you, would, that you would help us, you would teach us, Lord, give us grace, Lord, because we need it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.